You're listening to 247 Real Talk. I'm your host, Julian Perry, along with my guest for this episode, a registered nurse from New York City, Mr. Damien Efko. We will be discussing the coronavirus. And yes, it's still here. So, Damien, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me this evening. Great to have you here. Uh, Why don't you start off by introducing yourself to our listeners as we get into this uh, very important topic at this time. Yes. Hey, hi, Julian. Uh, Thanks for having me here on Real Talk. Yeah, my name is Damien Esco, and I'm a registered nurse and worked in home care for over six years now. you know, and now it's been, uh, 2020 has been one of the most challenging times in uh, my career. Um, so, so, yeah, what would you like to know? Well, I remember chatting with you before and we were talking about what you do and, and from your, your position, from your perspective, even as the numbers begin to or, or trend downwards continuously and we say that, their tests every day and only 1% come back positive that you interact with a population that's still very much at risk, you know, even though our rate has gone down. So why don't you tell us a bit about those that you interact with and from your perspective, who you see to still be very much at risk and need continue to need the protection from this uh, virus, especially since there may be a resurgence. Right. So, so yeah, as you see, you know, the numbers here in New York, and then the whole tri-state area have significantly gone down. There are like 1% of positive day by day when you look at it. Um, we see that unfortunately still about 10 to 20 people do pass away day by day. And I believe majority is the elderly who are the most vulnerable, you know, people who are 65 years old or older um, and also have chronic conditions like diabetes, heart disease, um, yeah, and, and, and uh, blood clotting disorders or um, congestive heart failure, you know, all the uh, major chronic diseases. Um, so, so, yeah, you know, what we're seeing now is we still see that um, in other parts of the country, they're reporting about 50,000 new cases per day. And, you know, New York is only reporting 500. A lot of people are saying, oh, it's, that's the second wave, or is that a resurgence? You know, it's, and it's completely not. You know, the country is still seeing the first wave, to my opinion. I think New York has been smart about wearing masks. I think our governor has done a pretty good job on spreading that message, and New Yorkers have done a good job in uh, complying with the regulations. And at this point, it's no time to really stop to do what we're doing, right? So we're thinking about going into indoor dining, which I think they made the decision a few days ago that now we should postpone that because we're seeing this whole uh, 
spiking cases in other states. Um, so, you know, we still need to protect our elderly, but apart from the elderly, there is other people that do do uh, serve the elderly, and that's your essential workers, right? And everybody who's been considered essential is, you know, that still goes to work, hasn't been uh, told to stay home. So it could be your doctors, your nurses, physician assistants, um, people who make food, people who deliver food. Uh, people who do hands-on care, you know, your home care attendants, you know, they travel to people's homes. You have, you know, your nursing assistants um, in the hospital units, right? And a lot of these people, unfortunately, do come from um, less-income households. You know, they do got to provide for their families. And um, I think uh, a lot of them themselves, too, you know, sometimes do have some chronic diseases or things developing on their end. And, you know, uh, additionally to that, some people from who I've spoken with um, have, uh, you know, are frustrated that if they get sick, you know, what will happen? You know, I don't have health care insurance or will my health care insurance, you know, cover my COVID treatment if, you know, that happens. So, you know, from this pandemic, I've seen that a lot of the essential home care workers were the most uh, vulnerable and also our elderly population. Um, you know, and if we stop, you know, wearing our masks, washing our hands, being cautious about social distancing, you know, I'm afraid we would see a big spike in cases. And kind of like I said, we're, we're still in the first wave, like second wave hasn't, hasn't hit. Um, you know, you we've seen in other countries are doing much better job than the entire United States, right? Uh, the only, you know, area that we see is doing very well is the tri-state area, fortunately for us. Um, so, so yeah, you know, and uh, it's been a very challenging period. Uh, you know, it first came to, to my head that we were beginning to be in trouble when my organization back in, February 28th, you know, started monitoring the whole situation and we started to come up with a committee to track things and see how we're going to proceed when things escalate. Um, you know, and from February 28th to about, I think, March 23rd or 27th, things, you know, really, really took off, right? I think April was one of the worst months of my career, you know. The state was seeing probably, we're seeing like about 800 deaths per day. We were seeing about, I think, 20,000 new cases, you know, um, on, on, uh, my own census, on my own patient census. You know, I've gotten patients who are sick. I've gotten essential health care workers who became, became ill too. And, you know, it, uh, raised a lot of questions and, uh, Good thing. Uh, I was glad that my organization actually has made. Uh, we had daily meetings, so every every morning at 9 a.m. and 9 and uh, 5 p.m. we met to discuss cases, how we're going to handle if somebody's positive, and we were listening to authorities very closely. We actually developed our own tracing system. Um, before even I think the new uh, before even the state developed their NYC. Uh, Tracers, so we're very on top of that. You know, we, if our 
let's say, essential care worker came in contact with somebody, we wanted to, you know, track who if they visited other clients, patients. Um, you know, have they been in contact with other colleagues? You know, we try to really prevent the spread uh, while well, and uh, as, of, as of today, um, or as of actually uh, end of uh, May, we brought out, put down our COVID-19 cases on our patient side to zero. Uh, every now and then, I think through, uh, through June, we did accept some new cases, you know, that were recovering from COVID, um, you know, and we took care of those. Um, but yeah, I think the, the other whole thing too at the beginning of this pandemic was, um, the PPE supply, right? Uh, masks were going very quickly. Uh, I had, uh, probably enough masks at the beginning of the pandemic for only two weeks before everything ran out, you know, which was very frustrating. Uh, I had to, uh, get new vendors to actually order things. Uh, and, uh, I, I could tell you a very crazy story. We, we tried ordering all these, all these masks. I think we have placed an order for maybe like 5,000 masks at least, maybe more. And we were waiting for it to ship. I think it was coming from China. It arrived at Mexico and then the Mexican government confiscated it for themselves to serve uh, their country. Wow. So right there, I was left without having protection to my workers, you know, and, and the elderly, right? Because we wear the masks to, to protect the ones who are vulnerable, right? Uh, regular surgical mask is, you know, doesn't filter the virus, right? It basically prevents from your droplets going in the room and potentially spreading it to somebody else, you know? Younger people uh, tend to be asymptomatic and they're still spreading the virus, right? So, uh, yeah, it's been uh, quite of a ride. Uh, not sure if you uh, have any questions about anything, you know, anything I, I just ran over. Uh, you know, feel free to interrupt me yeah, or uh, say I'm, anything. I'm kind of thinking now. I mean, I'm, I, I, I wanted to hear your full perspective, and thank you for giving that full perspective because I think that this becomes purposeful in a conversation like this because people hear bits and pieces. So it's, it's very nice to hear you kind of give the, the, the whole timeline and all the things that you experience. because when someone listens to us now, they can get a better picture in their mind of what the healthcare workers were experiencing, you know, across the entire timeline from the inception to now. And I think what we also want to know is, or I would sure want you to tell the listeners now we are in this, I think we're part of pay, uh, phase three or something like that of reopening in New York City. And with my conversations with you prior to this podcast, I know you mentioned uh, specifically the elderly uh, and, and the healthcare workers. And what have you seen in terms of efforts to continue to protect them in the best possible way, especially the elderly? Because what, from what I have seen as it was like people were going stir crazy at home. And when they, the reopening started, you know, we got all these pictures and all these news stories about people out and about with no masks. I've seen them myself. I've seen people mm-hmm. barbecuing by the beach and, you know, 150 people, no masks. And um, I just read an article today, a story of somewhere. I'm not sure what state it is, so I don't want to call the state to, 
uh, do so incorrectly, but there are young people holding coronavirus parties where you uh-huh. go to, you go to the party and the whole the whole uh, trophy is to see if you get sick or not and and knowing that what what we came from, especially the eight hundred deaths a day um you know my my first thing is is more so what what do you see from your perspective being done for those same elderly patients that are part of your responsibility to ensure the highest level of uh, PPE um for the foreseeable future forget about phase three and phase four opening because um mm-hmm. I've heard people from other hospitals say that over the last week they've begun to see certain rises in 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 patients coming into the ER with coronavirus again and we don't know mm-hmm. if that's just an anomaly or the fact that since the rest of the country is now experiencing the first wave and everyone seems to travel to New York at some point or the other, that, you know, it's almost guaranteed that the wave is going to come back this way. Yeah, well, I think the first thing that's been done to kind of protect people is limit people. People have to quarantine when they come back from certain states or vacations, right? You've seen uh, the governor issue that, you know, if you're traveling from like California, Arizona, Texas, and I feel like there is maybe extra 10 states on the list currently that you have to quarantine for 14 days when you come back. You know, I'm really curious how well that is enforced, um, you know, but I think it's a good layer of, you know, first protection. Uh, the second second thing is, um, you know, my organization itself, we have secured masks until December until like beginning of January, you know, like we went through so much supply. We did our estimates. We estimated based on how many new cases we come in for a surgical mask where we're good until like, um, until, uh, yeah, uh, January, December around that time, you know, I'm still, still collecting donations and uh, people are inserting in the community has been generous too. You know, I got some face shield donations i got mass donations too apart from what we have ordered you know we're still receiving some donations so you know it's a good time to still stock up because yeah you know uh resurgence could happen now we're going into this holiday weekend i don't know how people will behave you know i tell my workers my employees we send out a message almost every week to say you know it's no time to be stopping um, the policies, you know, our policy is that if you're within the elderly client in the same room, you have to wear a surgical mask. You know, care, the caretakers ask me, you know, well, you know, what if I'm sleeping or what if I have to cough, sneeze or something like that, you know, go in another room, you know, even if you have the mask. Um, you know, I had questions like, well, if I'm protecting them and the mask is not really protecting me, why should I wear it? And I kind of reinforce that, you know, it's, it's really about protecting, you know, our elderly population. And, you know, wearing a mask all day is, is difficult. Um, but, you know, you know, people, you know, people who live at home, you know, they do have multiple rooms. So, you know, I tell, tell caretakers, you know, you need to take a break, you know, if it's causing some strain on your nose or on your ears, you know, you're allowed to do that. But just make sure that every time you touch your mask or face, wash your hands, readjust, you know, wash your hands again. Um, you know, that's, that's one of the best uh, protection we've seen, right? And we see this in New York. Look at, if you look at the New York curve, we've really flattened the curve. 
none, you know, we're, we're at the other side of the curve. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're past the uh, flattening the curve. We're already down on the curve. No other state has done that. And, you know, from what I see is there might have been not enough testing being done in other states and reporting, right? Like New York has been, looks like to me, has been very transparent on, on their reporting compared to, you know, uh, a lot of different parts, you know. So, you know, I'm really, really curious, you know, why other states weren't learning from New York and, you know, other countries. I think New York saw what went on in, in places like Italy and Spain, and they really did act accordingly. So, you know, I, you know, my message is to everybody is it's no time to stop. And, you know, we got to wear a mask. And, you know, if you were outside, you were mentioning barbecuing and all that, you know, it depends again, how many people in a group you are with too, how distant apart are you, you know, authorities and CDC have said and doctors and doctors have said that if you're moving by somebody, you have less um, chance of getting infected or infecting somebody. You know, it's basically the time amount you spend talking to somebody and being close in contact with that has the impact, right? So, you know, if you're planning to be in a larger group, I'd say, you know, you got to wash your hands, have your sanitizer, wear that mask, even if you're outside and you're in a larger group. But, you know, if you're in a few people and, you know, you're able to distance six feet apart, you know, the chances are lower. Um, yeah, right. Like and that. thank you, Matt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. I, I was thinking what you're saying there, because um, I think I think what came to mind while you were saying that was Florida. And one of the first things they did in reopening, which which I think everyone would agree, even the officials in Florida have agreed that it was very premature, but they opened beaches. Uh-huh. And, and I think that because on a beach, you know, there's there's ocean on one side, there's wind. People make this assumption that you can't you can't get it going to the beach. And what you saw in Florida was thousands of people flocked to the beaches and don't they didn't realize right. that if you're standing at the water's edge, you know, you may not get it at that moment, but you know, all the traveling to the beach and interacting on the beach and being in that crowded space next to each other and then leaving the beach and, and all the things that happen in between, you know, those are the places where that we don't even think of that it's just easy for us to get it. So, yep. you know, it's, it's, I, I, it concerns me greatly. And, and that's why, again, it was important to speak with someone like yourself and, and who had the time to give the whole timeline and, and look at what's going on now, because New York is a tourist state. New York City is a is a tourist mecca. And mm-hmm. you know, it is it is I hate to say it because as a New Yorker for many years, um I I, I felt the pain of what we went through and it just it I I kind of feel like we have no choice but to brace for a second wave because like I said People travel through, if they don't care in Florida, I mean, I've, I've read a few cases over the last two weeks where actually I remember one from, I think, about a week ago, someone um, had a graduation party, not that big, but one of the people who attended it had just come back from Florida. And mm-hmm. then that person tested positive along with almost everybody at the graduation party. 
So, mm-hmm. you know, we assume too that, you know, let's say someone travels back from Florida, they went there on vacation. Um, and I'll say this, you know, I know that quarantining is hard. It's hard for me. It's hard for everyone else. But to take a vacation and go to Florida where, you know, it's on the rise and then you come back to your family and you come in the home and you, you kind of don't wear protection inside of the home, you know, you, you really just expose everyone in your home, everyone in your family and everyone that they're in contact with, you know, um, and I, and I, and, and that's why I like hearing from medical professionals because again, I know this is tough. It is, it is, you know, some days I, I was saying to myself today, I just need to go outside when, when, you know, at some quiet spot and sit in the sun for a bit because I've been indoors so long, but Mm-hmm. You know, when when you look at the the other side of it, and, and again, I, I I actually recovered from the coronavirus, and it was pretty devastating on me. You know, even though I was not, I didn't get it compared to what you know, I wasn't intubated and all that stuff. But you know, I don't want it again ever in my life. Mm-hmm. And so, right. if it means that I don't go on vacation this year, if it means that. That I, I wherever I go to anyone's home, I wear a mask. I, I keep the the in person meeting brief, and I, um, you know, I, I'm a prisoner in my own space. Then so be it, because the alternative is not pretty. Yep, yep, exactly. Now I completely hear what you're saying. It's kind of like at the end, you know, was that you know little gathering really worth it, right? And. I think we see article again and again, somebody saying my last party that I threw was not worth it. You know, somebody didn't make it out or something happened. Um, you know, and kind of like I said, you know, the longer you're spending with people being close to each other, the more likely you're to get it. And, and yeah, you know, it's hard to say or prove whether people were getting it while being outside, while they were commuting somewhere or, you know, when it's, uh, you know, you, you really can't uh, predict or see where you, where was the actual spot that you got infected. Um, yeah, and I think previously you also mentioned that whole party where, where some young people threw a party to see who, who got infected first, you know, the winner would be who, who got infected. And, you know, it was just totally disrespectful to all the care workers and to everybody for the work they've been doing, you know. Like, at the end of the day, we're going to be the ones that are still going to be caring for you. We're going to be the ones, you know, on call, um, contacting your family with updates and other things, uh, putting our own lives at risk, uh, you know, and it's just, just really unacceptable. I, I, I couldn't, couldn't even believe that article just, just looking at it. Right. Um, and then kind of like you mentioned too, you know, person coming back from graduation, all these other people now have it. You know, I had a case where where uh, the coronavirus went through the entire household, including my essential workers, and there were some fatalities, you know. Unfortunately, some people didn't recover and got severely ill, and yeah, you know, it swept through a household. Uh, even early in the pandemic, I think it was like April or end of March, so an article in about someone in New, New Jersey that the coronavirus literally killed the whole entire family. It was, you know, just shocking to see, you know, you, you know, you see all these other articles like, oh, it's not affecting young people and this and that, but, you know, you, you never know, uh, who's it, you know, who's it's going to affect, you know, uh, 
one of one of uh, my friends kind of gave me a good example. Like if you had a packet of Skittles, right, and you knew out of a hundred Skittles, one of the Skittles, you know, could kill you, would you eat any of those Skittles? <laughs> you know, I wouldn't touch that. Exactly. Box, right? So, you know, why are we doing these stupid things? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I think that. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, my listeners will take heed. They'll listen to this message that you've given. They'll pass it on to um, others, as as I said, as we brace for what could conceivably be the, uh, you know, another wave. And then um, the tricky part is, like I, I remember one medical professional saying that then we go into flu season and you might not be able to tell the difference for a while, you know. Uh-huh. And so... Yep. Um, I think I, I really do thank you for the message you've given us and the, and the timeline, the story you've given us today. Um, and you know, if, if, as we go forward in this, depending on, on how things, uh, turn out, I'd like to revisit this conversation with you at some point in the future. So I thank you for uh, joining me and, and I do hope that you would come back again, you know, and we can continue mm-hmm. the conversation from that perspective, but well, thank you so much for, for being a guest on uh, Real Talk tonight. Yeah, not a problem, Julian. It was a real pleasure. Um, you know, just kind of want to reinforce one last time. Very important for us to continue to social distance, wash our hands, you know, see what the authorities are saying, or, you know, wear our masks. And, uh, yeah, you know, wearing a mask is basically uh, being respecting each other. Um, you know, protecting one another and uh, helping to bring the case slow down to zero and, uh, you know, preventing death. So, yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Damien. As always, I want to thank all my listeners and supporters out there for joining me again for this episode. I do hope you enjoyed the conversation with Damien Evco, and I want to thank you for being a guest on the show. Reminding you that you can listen to 247 Real Talk on any one of your favorite podcast apps, from Apple Podcasts to Spotify, wherever you enjoy listening to your podcast. You can also head over to the website at www.247realtalk.net, where you can also listen to the podcast. You can leave messages and comments. And if you have any discussions that you'd like to hear me hold as an episode for a podcast, do send me an email at podcast at 247realtalk.net. Until the next time, be good to yourselves and each other.